Hello, hola, and konnichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the Curtain Jerkers. Of course, I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. This weekend, back to Yas Island for UFC Whitaker versus Till, a very exciting middleweight clash at the top of this card. There's going to be other great fights on the main card as well, but... As those of you who frequent the show know, we will just be talking about the prelim portion of this card. Now, for those of you who are new to the show and might be asking yourself, why just the prelims? Why not talk about all the excitement that's on the main card? The answer is real simple. The answer is that we think you probably know a lot about Darren Till and Robert Whitaker or, you know, Alexander Gustafson, who's on the main card, Fabricio Verdum. You know about those guys, but you probably don't know about these guys in the prelims. And that's where the money is to be made in both gambling and daily fantasy sports. Knowing about the guys nobody else knows about. And speaking of daily fantasy sports and gambling, this episode is brought to you by AJ's Actions Pack Sportsbets.com. You can find him at AJ's Action Pack Sportsbets.com. Unlike all of the other guys who give you gambling advice, AJ is not just a list of fighters or teams that you can put down money on each week. He does so much more than that. He provides his customers, yes, with his picks, but also with the education that you can use for years to come. He does it through in-depth breakdowns. He sends them right to your inbox. Sometimes they're video, sometimes they're audio. He's all over the different kinds of medias here. You get it all with AJ. And this gives you the tips and the know-how so that in the future, you can maximize your profit in a way that makes sense for you. I highly suggest him, and I highly suggest checking out everything on his website at ajsactionpacksportsbets.com, where you can see his extensive record, his past breakdowns, and his customer success. You can also follow him on Twitter, at AJMMABetting. Now, before I get to breaking down these fights, I, of course, have to introduce my co-host for this show. I would not be able to break down all of these European fighters without some actual European know-how here. So I decided I went out and got the creator of EuroMMAHub.com. You can find him at Scott underscore Lagden on Twitter. You can find his website at EuroMMAHub on Twitter as well. And you can find it on Facebook as well. I, of course, am joined by Scott Lagden. Scott, thanks so much for joining me. No worries at all. Thanks very much for having me, Daniel. Absolutely. So, as you guys know who frequent the show, we had to start by putting five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Jai Herbert versus Francisco Trinaldo. So, Herbert, 10-1, making his UFC debut. He's a former Cage Warriors lightweight champion. He's got six straight wins. Five of those are by finish. He's fighting Francisco Trinaldo, stalwart of the division. He's won two straight fights over Bobby Green and John McDessey, both of those fights being by decision. So, here's my question for you, Scott. It, it's a hell of a step up for Jai Herbert in his debut. How do you think he deals with the strength that Francisco Trinaldo carries? Yeah, this is a really, really interesting fight. And I think out of, in recent years, um, at the Cage Warriors guys to move up to the UFC, I think the signing of Jai Herbert was one of the ones I'm most excited about. I can't wait to see him in, in the UFC, but I was really, really surprised that for his first fight, uh, they gave him Francisco Trinaldo, a really, really tough guy. Um, one thing that I absolutely love about Jai Herbert, one of the things that I think is amazing that he does, is that you quite often see fighters that are quite accepting of bad positions, whereas Jai Herbert's a guy who he, he does occasionally get taken down, he can occasionally get held against the fence, but he's always working, 
always working to get out of those bad positions. And um, especially against a guy like Trinaldo, Trinaldo is going to be looking to grapple him, time up, uh, really dictate where the fight takes place. Um, but I think one of the things which I love about Jai Herbert is that he's always working for separation. He will never just, he will never just accept bad positions. He'll always be working, he'll always dig for the underhooks, always be pushing on the hips and on the bottom on the ground. And that way he gets he gets separation really really quickly and he fires his shots off. So yeah, it's a really really tough fight for him in his UFC uh, debut. But I think he's actually got quite he's got he's uh, well equipped with the skills I think to uh, to be able to deal with Trinaldo eventually. One of the other things I'm also really interested in this fight is that sometimes Trinaldo seems kind of almost complacent on the feet. He doesn't throw a lot of volume. Do you think Jai Herbert's game plays well into that? Do you think his volume might look good on maybe even the judges' scorecard should we get through 15 minutes? Yeah, definitely. Jai Herbert, Herbert's the guy who will throw, he'll throw often, and he'll throw with a really, really high pace. Uh, when, he, when he won the Cage Warriors title against Jack Grant, Jack Grant's a really, really talented guy. Mostly looks to grapple, but he's a decent striker as well. And he, he managed to really, really piece up um, Jack Grant on the feet. Then in Jai Herbert's first title defense, when he had the Cage Warriors title, um, he took out uh, UFC veteran Kane Carrizoza. And um, an absolutely brutal highlight reel uh, knee knockout. Uh, yeah, so Herbert's a guy who, yeah, he'll always be looking for action. He'll always be pushing the pace. And he'll always be uh, putting something in Trinaldo's face. So, yeah, I think he's got his style's quite... Uh, Quite, quite quite, nice to deal with that. All right, so we're just about to the end of this matchup. I do have to ask you for your official prediction. Who you got? How you got him? Ugh, I can see Trinaldo getting some success early in the grappling. But I think, like I said, uh, Herbert will get separation, far off strikes. I'm going to go for a Jai Herbert uh, TKO in round three. All right, I like the pick. I'm also going to go with Jai Herbert. I actually think he's probably going to win this one by decision. Trinaldo infamously very hard to get out of there. He, he doesn't get knocked out really easily. So yeah. I, I'm going to go with Herbert. I'm going to go with him by decision. And that brings us to our second fight, which is Nicholas Dalby versus Jesse Ronson. Dalby, 1-0 in the UFC during this stint. Obviously, he had an earlier stint back in the UFC where he drew Darren Till uh, and then had a really tough run of it. After that, we're fighting. he's fighting Jesse Ronson, who is also coming back to the UFC after being released all the way back in 2014. He's coming off of a win in a Canadian promotion called BTC. So here's my question about Dalby. In his fight with, with Cowboy, which was his last fight, Alex Cowboy Oliveira, and some of his ones before he got released, his takedown defense was a little bit questionable. He seems to get taken down a lot. Now, like you said with Herbert, he isn't really complacent. He doesn't stay down there. But could that be a problem here against Ronson, who is a pretty adequate wrestler? Um, potentially, potentially. Um, I guess because Jesse Ronson's based over in Canada, I haven't really got to see a lot of his fights um, since he since he was released, really. Um, but like you said, he, Dalby showed the odd deficiency against Cowboy Oliveira. Um, but I, I think Oliveira is another level to Jesse Ronson, no, no, no disrespect to Ronson. Um, so I think if Dal Dalby was able to deal with uh, what um, Cowboy Oliveira is bringing his way, I don't think he would have too much trouble getting out of similar positions if Jesse Ronson manages to, to put them there. Um, Dalby's a really good striker, man. I think w when he first got released from the UFC... Um, I thought he's one of those guys who you think, okay, he had his little stint, he's, he's got out of the UFC, and he was one of those guys I thought you wouldn't really hear from again. Um, even when he even when he got back to Cage Warriors, he, he lost his first fight back, and that was even a more of a setback. But since then, the way he's rebuilt himself is is incredible. Um, when, when he won the interim title against Alex Lahore, his striking looked phenomenal. And Alex Lahore is a guy in Europe where, you know, if, if you beat Lahore, you, you've, you've got a really, really, really high potential. Um yeah, so I, I think yes, he, he he could he could still show the same deficiencies as Dolby, but um, I think if he can deal with if he can, if he can if he can overcome it like he did against Cabo Oliveira, he should have no problem really um, overcoming the same kind of thing with Jesse Ronson. 
I agree with you entirely. I also think, too, the takedown defense struggled a little bit against Cowboy due to the fact that he was worried about the striking, right? Like, you know, Cowboy Oliveira infamously, again, really a lot of a power in his hands. I don't think he has to worry so much about that with Jesse Ronson. He's probably just playing defense in the grappling, which is going to let him throw his hands a little bit more and is going to wind up being uh, a much better night for him. So I got Nicholas Dalby. I got him by decision. How you like him winning this one? Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm Dalby decision as well. All right, and that's going to do it for the end of the first round. We're going to take a quick break. We will be back with three more fights in our second round after a quick word from our sponsors. All right, guys, just a reminder that this show is brought to you by AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. You can find that link in the show notes. One of the awesome things that AJ does for you is that he sends you not just his picks for the week, but he also sends you pros and cons for each matchup, along with his thoughts on different DraftKings picks. You know, guys who might be owned more often than others, or guys who are owned a little bit less and are definitely high value. He's given you all that. Plus, he doesn't just stop there. He provides extensive audio content for his clients, sometimes video content. Check him out at AJ's MMA Betting, because there's all kinds of great stuff coming out there, and you can check out all of his stuff at AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. You won't be sorry you did. All right, we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Tom Aspinall versus Jake Collier. So Aspinall making his UFC debut at 7-2. He's got three straight first-round finishes, the last two of which were for Cage Warriors. Jake Collier returns to the cage for the first time since 2017 when he won a decision over Marcel Fortuna. I personally am really worried about Collier stepping up here, facing a true heavyweight. You know, like he's a guy who weighed in at 205 last time. How, how worried are you about him stepping in there with a guy who is like a real 260-pound giant? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you look back, I think Jake Collier made his UFC debut at middleweight, didn't he, I think? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so the fact he's going to weigh up to heavyweight, yeah, really, really surprising. Uh, especially after a long layoff as well. I mean, I mean, I hope he spent that time really, really bulking up and trying to get him set, his body ready for that weight class because, yes, yeah, it's, a, it's a big shift up. Um, yeah, Thomas Aspinall is a really interesting guy. Uh, like you said, he's had uh, two wins back in Cage Warriors. Um and actually, combined, he's only he's only been in the cage for about two minutes in those two fights. So we haven't really we haven't really been able to see uh, all, all kind of facets of his game. Um, but what we have seen is, is looked is looked very very good. For anybody who's unaware, he's on the, he's a, one of the main training partners of Darren Till. He's on that um, t- uh, team Cabon in uh, up in uh, Liverpool. Um, yeah, and uh, he's a really, really talented guy. He used to be he had a big gap in his MMA career for about two or three years where he tried to make the shift into professional boxing uh but it, he he didn't feel fulfilled by by doing that so he moved back across to mma um and yeah he's, he's a very 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 slick striker so again you, from that boxing background you expect him to have slick hands he, he definitely has that um i remember there was a video that cage rose put out a while ago saying that his teammate said for heavyweight he just moves so fast and his, his hand speed is so impressive um so yeah i, I think i think collier uh, could could um could face big problems here with uh, Tom Aspinall, uh, especially being that like too like if he's got speed, you know usually the thing for a light heavyweight coming up to heavyweight is they've got a speed advantage. I don't even think he's got that here against Aspinall because I think Aspinall is faster. So I, I think this is a pretty clear cut one to pick. How you got Aspinall winning this one? Yeah, so I, I think Aspinall, uh, he might eke out the second round. I'll go for a, I'll go for a second, a second round knockout. 
All right, I'm going to take him in the first round. I think he gets it done. I think he gets it done quick. Um, and that brings us to another teammate of Darren Till, and that's Mike Grundy, who's fighting Movsar Evloev. Uh, Grundy, 1-0 in the UFC. He TKO'd Nadna Armani back in March of 2019. He's been out for a little while since then. Evloev is 2-0 in the UFC. Both decisions, one over Sung Woo Choi and one over Enrique Barzola. So here's the question, is that Grundy is a guy who likes to wrestle. He's got a great wrestling background, which is pretty uncommon for British fighters. Do you think he's going to be able to work that against a guy like Evloev? Yeah, that's a really, really interesting question. I think when I was uh, when I knew I was talking to you today, I aimed at this. This is one of the fights in the prelims I'm most excited about. I think it's such a good star matchup. Yeah, so like you said, really, really uh, uncommon for a guy from England to have uh, Mike Grundy's wrestling background. For anyone unaware, he represented England in the 2010 and 2014 Commonwealth Games in wrestling. So really, really high accolades for for uh, Mike Grundy. Um, I think I think he'll be content trying. I might, I might be wrong. I think he'll be content trying to get his uh, fight plan out on the feet. Um, we saw his last fight against Madner Armani. Um, worked really really strong hands up on the feet, and that's how he ultimately got got uh, got, got the victory. Um, so I, I think I, I, I don't think he'll even tr- try to wrestle Evelev unless he has to. To be honest, I, I think he'll have confidence in his hands. Um, so yeah, I, I think Grundy, despite his background, I think that he'll be perfectly content with this uh, fight plan out on, on the feet. That, that's interesting because it, it would be an interesting fight in either facet, but I'm interested to see, do you think he hangs with Evloev on the feet or do you think he gets tagged a couple of times and has to go to his wrestling? Mm, oh, I, I think he could hang. I think he could hang. Um, I, don't, I don't think I'd like to see during this fight. Um, I, I love getting questions answered during fights. I'd love to see how Grundy reacted if he was to get taken down. So obviously, he's got really high level wrestling, but we, we, the, the, old, the old saying is that you know, the wrestlers aren't like being on their backs. And then we haven't really seen a lot of that from Grundy. So it'll be interesting to see as well if he at some point ends up on the back. Um, but I, I see this fight playing out in a way where I, I think Everlev will push for the will push for the takedown, um, and it will be all. It will, I think a lot will depend on how Grundy deals with that. Will he be able to stop it? And if he does, be able to, if he can stop it, will he be able to get some shots off on the sh- on the feet? Um, but yeah, I, I, I really rate Grundy. I think I, I think he I think he could have a good shot in this one. All right. Well, it's time for the official prediction on this one. Who you got? How you got him? Oh, out of the pick so far, this is this is the toughest. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll eke Grundy out by a very, very close decision. I'm actually going to go with you on this one, too. I like Grundy. as a He's a pretty sizable underdog here. I like him to stuff enough takedowns and probably piece him up enough on the feet that he wins something very close. He might need some like late takedowns to steal some rounds, but yeah. I, I definitely got him here in this one by close decision. Now, we're going to go through this last one pretty quick because I think it's fairly easy. We got Tanner Bolzer versus... Rafael Pessoa. So Bozer, a much leaner version of him, knocked out Felipe Lins just last month. Quick turnaround, headed out to Fight Island. Pessoa's 1-1 one one in the UFC. He lost to Surreal Ghani. He won uh, a decision over Jeff Hughes. Now, I don't know about you. I am very impressed with what a lean Tanner Bozer can do at heavyweight. He's fast. He's powerful. And I just don't see the, the avenue for here for Pessoa. Do you see an avenue here for Pessoa? Uh, no, no, the short answer, short answer is no. Like, like you said, um, in, in Boss's previous UFC fights compared to his last one, hadn't, hadn't really seen an awful lot to get excited about. There's nothing, nothing really sticks in your mind, but it's uh, Felipe Lins last time. L- looked, looked really, really, looked really nimble in there. Good, good shot selection, good shot placement. Um, yeah, I, I can't really see, see past Hannah Bossa here. Uh, Pessoa hasn't really shown me a lot. Um, in his UFC career to date. Um, so, yeah, I, I can't see him causing Bossa too, too many problems. Yeah, and I would actually love to see Bossa with some of the fights back that he had previously fought in the UFC. You know, he beat Daniel Spitz, but he did so by decision. I think uh, 
the bosser we saw last time would absolutely flatline him. I actually would love to see him fight Cyril Ghani again, who is a guy who beat him pretty easily by decision. I, I think it would be a much more fun fight the second time around. So I- I'm going Bolzer here by first round knockout. How do you got him? Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll maybe take him. In, I'll take him by knockout, but yeah, maybe in the second round. But yeah, it, it, this this is his to lose. All right, guys, and that's going to do it for the end of our second round. We're going to take a quick break, talk to our sponsors one more time, and we'll be back with round number three. Hey, guys, I just wanted to let you hear what subscribers are saying about AJ's ActionPackSportsBets.com. Listen to this one, subscriber. Been following AJ for several months. He's ultra impressive, but honestly, his winning selections and return on investment are not even the main reasons. His breakdown and understanding of matchups is what impressed me the most. It can be hard to separate your emotions and your favorite fighters in this game, but AJ seems to really be able to objectively break down each fight with pinpoint accuracy and not let emotions get in the way. He comes highly recommended in my book, and that quote is from George. Thank you so much, George. We fully agree with George here, and we think you will too if you check him out at AJsActionPackSportsBets.com. back with round number three we got three more fights to talk about here before we let you guys go so we're going to get started by putting five minutes on the clock and we're going to start this round by talking about Penny Kianzad versus Betch Kohea. Kianzad since returning to the UFC she's one and one with a win over Jessica Rose Clark in December or uh, by decision back in November rather uh, Betch Kohea snapped a three fight winless streak recently by winning a decision over Sajara Eubanks so you know, Kohea is, is notoriously somebody who moves forward a lot. She's ultra aggressive. How do you see P- Pani Kianzad dealing with that aggression from Betch Kohea? Yes, it's an interesting one. So I think when I look back at Kianzad's career, she's had most most of the struggles she's faced is when someone's put her on her back and that, that kind of thing. Um, although Kohea's um, built up as a striker, she actually really does mix up her game quite a lot as, quite a lot as well. Um so yeah, it's really interesting. So obviously, Kianzad's got quite a, quite a long frame, that kind of thing. So she might need, to, I think she might need to work the jab quite a lot in this fight. Um, but yeah, I think she has, to, she has to stay really, really technical. She has to stay really, really um, committed to what she's doing. Um, but I, I definitely think she has the tools to, to try and keep Betch off her for, for certain periods. Um, but yes, it's an interesting fight because I, I remember years ago before the Ronda Rousey fight, Betch Correa was built up as this massive power puncher that can mm. pick up. Lights out, and, and that, that that really that really wasn't true at all. I was just that was just a classic UFC hype machine. Um, you, and like when, when she wins, she usually does it by grinding out decisions. Um, yeah, so it would be an, it'd be an interesting fight. Um, like you said, the, the main thing that Kianzad's going to have to deal with is just, is just that pressure of Betch. Um, but she needs to stay, if she stays really, really technical, uh, make sure she doesn't get her back against the fence too much, always circles out. Um, I think she's, she's got a, she's got a fairly good shot. I do too, and it'll be interesting to see too if she decides to try to start the grappling too, because you know I know she's got a pretty good top game, and you know like you said she's got a longer frame. She, maybe she wants to keep the distance, but it'd actually be pretty interesting to see what she did on top of of Kohea too. Whether or not we actually get there is kind of a different question all in of itself. So we've just about reached the end of where we can talk about this fight. So who you got and how you got him? Again, it's another close one. Um, I think Betch by a close decision. I'm going to take the same thing. I can't seem to disagree with you on any of these. I got benched by decision here, too. I just think she grinds her against the cage enough to get her tired where she's probably going to to win enough rounds here. Uh, and that brings us to our next fight, which is Nicholas Stolls versus Ramazan Amiyev. Stolls, the German, making his UFC debut at 12-3. and He's on a four-fight win streak with fights all over Europe. Amiyev 
recently lost a decision to Anthony Rocco Martin, which snapped his three-fight win streak in the UFC. Now, for me, this is a very clear striker versus grappler matchup. Stoles being a former kickboxer from Germany. We got Amiev, who've showed really good grappling so far in the UFC. What does Stoles have to do to pick up a win here against Amiev? I think this is a really, really tough matchup for Stoles, especially for his UFC debut. Um, yeah, he's going to have to stay so disciplined. He's going to have to, again, again. I think jab's going to be key. He's going to have to work the jab against Amiv, and he can't ever become complacent. He's going to have to constantly move in the cage. Um, again, like, like the fight before previously, he can't find he can't find any situation where his back's on against the cage. He's got to be constantly circling out and trying to score enough points. Um, yeah, like you said, Stoles has fought all around, all around Europe. is a, is a veteran of Bama and the rise in Czechoslovakian promotion, Octagon MMA. Um, yeah, but uh, like, yeah, I think it's going to be a really tough fight for Stoles. Uh, Emiv, one of those typical Russian guys that just, once he gets his hands on you, um, it's going to be a long, long night. So yeah, yeah, I think it's a very, 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 very tough fight for Stoles for his UFC debut. I also think it's really tough for him against one of those, like you, know, like you said, stereotypically tough Russian wrestlers because he's a guy who throws a lot of kicks. And you, we, we know that they just eat that and turn him into takedowns almost all the time. So, yeah, I have a tough time believing he gets anything started. He, for me, it's kind of like a one-punch knockout or a one-kick knockout or nothing for Stoles. Uh, it's time for the official prediction on this one, though. Uh, who you got and how you got him? Uh, yeah, so I'm going to go with Amiv by decision again. Yeah, I'm going to do the same thing, Amiv by decision here. I, I think Stoles probably uh, isn't going to land that big shot. And that brings us to our very last fight, which is Nathaniel Wood versus John Kent Stelena. Uh, Wood recently lost his big win streak by getting TKO'd by John Dodson. He was 3-0 in the UFC before that. Uh, Castaneda is 17-4, making his UFC debut. He most recently won in April of 2019 in Combate. So here's a question. Castaneda, uh, he, he is a guy coming in on short notice here. He's very exciting, but he is also 1-2 in his last three. Do you see any part of his game that could give Nathaniel Wood any problems here? Uh, no, 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 I don't at all, really. Like, yeah, like you said, just, despite being signed to the UFC, apart from his last win, he, he lost two defeats before that. Um, so, yeah, you, you would expect, hopefully, um, from a British perspective anyway, you'd expect Nathaniel Wood to to really not really be troubled too much. It's yeah, important remembering that um, Nathaniel Wood was originally scheduled to face Umar Nurmagomedov in his uh, UFC debut. So he's, he's gonna, he was training for a really, really high-level, dang, dangerous guy. Um, so you'd imagine he'd been drilling, drilling takedown defense and his grappling exchanges really, really, really um, all the time for that one. Um, but yeah, but I can't see... I, I, uh, I can't see John Castaneda being, um, causing Nathaniel too many problems. And, and for me, too, the, the difference maker here is I definitely think Wood has got a big advantage on the ground. And I, I think, you know, like you said, he's probably drilling for tons of takedown work, tons of transitional work off the mat. And I think now he gets to take that work and turn it into being aggressive, letting himself be the aggressor on the ground. And, and I think that's super dangerous, right? So I, I like Wood here. I like him by submission. I like him by submission very early in the fight, too. How about you? Uh, yeah, so it's quite interesting because Nathaniel Woods, when he when he was rising to prominence over here in Europe, he was known as the guy that was knocking everybody out in Cage Warriors. Mm -hmm. And I, I, guess, I guess UFC fans haven't really quite seen that yet. He had, he had some amazing highlight reels. So I'm going to go out and predict that actually this fight we will see Nathaniel Wood pick up one of his highlight reel KOs. So I'll go for Nathaniel Wood with a first round knockout. 
All right, guys, so that's going to do it for the end of our third round. In about 15 minutes, you guys got the lowdown on eight fights on this very exciting card. I want to thank my co-host from this week, Scott Lagden. He's the creator of EuroMMAHub.com, which you can find on Twitter, at EuroMMAHub, and you can find it on Facebook. And you can follow him, at Scott underscore Lagden, on Twitter as well. Scott, thanks so much for the time, man. I really appreciate it. No, I really appreciate the invite as well, Daniel. It was, it was nice talking to you. I hope you can do it again soon sometime.